What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 30 of the King's Court Podcast. My name is John Williams, and I'm here with Garrett Gartino as we are continuing this uh, new cycle we have of shows. Instead of the hour-long shows like every other Rangers podcast, we're going to give you guys uh, a couple 20 to 30-minute podcasts a week. That way you guys could – it's a little bit easier for you guys. It's a little bit easier for us, and it's a little different from – the other guys. So, Garrett, first off, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It, I feel like the last like month has taken a year off my life, but we're moving forward. Yeah, man, I understand that. And now that the weather in North Jersey right now is like 22 freaking degrees, um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've lost more than just a year from my life. I've lost uh, about a decade. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess that is what it is. And uh, when you look at the Rangers centers and you see their face-off stats, I guess it is what it is with them too. The Rangers are the third worst team in the NHL at face-offs. But taking a step back from that even, today the main focus of this episode is to talk about the center position on this team. Um you know, what they are right now without Zibanejad, what they will be when Zibanejad comes back, and then the future at the position. But the face-off stuff, jumping right in, really concerns me, Garrett, because it's very hard to be a puck possession team if you don't have the puck from the start, and that's where the Rangers find themselves. Well, and we've talked about how the Rangers are near the bottom of the league in shots given up as well. And that's, you know, they're clearly working hand in hand with each other. And it's one of those things for me, because I never actually played hockey, that I don't know if this is a situation where it's bad coaching at the NHL level or if the Rangers have just clearly put together a group of guys that are really horrible at taking faceoffs. You know what I mean? So it's... It's something that clearly will get better when Zibanejad is coming back into the lineup. But even him, he he's never been like a shining star at the dot. No, and unfortunately, you know Ryan Strom is probably their best overall face-off guy. Um, so that could be a little bit of a concern. But the Rangers have brought Brad Richards um, down from oh. his advisory role or whatever, and he's working with the guys at the face-off dot. And you look at Brad Richards' career, he was an awful face-off taker the first four years of his NHL career. He was around 41% the first two years of his career, 47-46 after that. And then the year after they won the Cup, um, after the lockout, that's when it started to turn around for Brad Richards. He had 50%, 51%, had a little bit of a down year in 07-08, but then had 56% face-off wins in 2007-2008 with Dallas and was a 50-ish percent face-off taker. Um, for most of the rest of his career until at the very end, but he was still around the 48, 49%. So Brad Richards has a lot of experience winning faceoff. So they needed to do something because the Rangers are 47.7% on faceoffs this season. I mean, the past couple games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, they've had to be, uh, you know, they've had to lose at least 60% of faceoffs. I think they lost 75% of the faceoffs in the Panther game. Yeah, like, they were they were yeah, down. It hasn't like, been good. At one point, I think I remember the broadcast saying that they were like three and eighteen on faceoffs or something like that, and that was like early in the third period or something. It was ridiculous, though, how bad they had been. Yeah, and I know last night they were like, yeah, Malkin won like 
his first eight face-off opportunities. And they didn't have any Sydney last night. Yep, no Sidney Crosby. Great Ranger win, too. Our boy Kako, man, Dude, and Fox. It was the kids' show. Did Fox and Kako have a hand on every single goal? Yes. Well, that, that combination. So the first goal, Kako scored, but Fox didn't have anything going on with it. Fox oh, scored the second goal, um, whatever. Then they both hooked up for the, uh, the last one there. So... Yeah, no, those two guys. I'm telling you, they're going to be special. But back to the centers. <laughs> back to the center position. So, obviously, Mika Zibanejad has been out for a while now. Um, after scoring 11 points to start the season in his first eight games with the team, he's missed eight games. So, are you starting to get a little worried about the injury, Gary? Because I know... I am, especially with Sabanajad's history of concussions. They're not officially coming out and saying what the injury is, but I kind of feel like that might be what it is. Yeah, this is probably one of the most annoying parts about being a Rangers fan is that every year they're like the least descript team when it comes to injuries and like disclosing what's going on with their players. And like you said, that, that that's obviously the first thing that you turn your head towards is thinking that he has another concussion. He's been in a non-contact practice jersey for over a week now. So he's skating, but he's, you know, not a full participant at practice. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to rush a guy back from a concussion, but it, it would just be nice to have a little bit more knowledge on what's keeping him out. And at this point, I mean, the team's, Clearly moving forward as if they, you know, they're, they're going to be without him for a long time. They've given Heedle those top line minutes immediately since coming up from the AHL. And it, although I'd like to have a full lineup, especially with a team that's showing so much promise right now, uh, I, I don't hate the idea of having to distribute those minutes a little bit differently to continue getting guys some, some ice time. Yeah, and it sounds like he's going to be coming back soon. That's what David Quinn keeps echoing, but it's still one of those things where they don't know, and that's what's so concerning. Right. Um. So in his absence, I mean, how, how do you think the team did in his absence? What would you like to see them do better? What do you think they did well? Um. And uh, did anybody stand out to you? Well, I, I think that, like, the, the thing that's been the shining, you know, or the, you know, silver lining to the Zibanejad injury is that it's made it so the secondary scoring actually has to, like, show up, you know. And you and that's I have really talked about That's a really good point. And well, we've been kind of slowly, like, transitioning ourselves to being Ryan Strom stands. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's crazy at this point where we're – continuing to have that same conversation that they had at the end of last year where it's like is his scoring percentage or his shooting percentage sustainable and now the the big knock on him is he's playing with Panarin so that's why he he's you know creating so many opportunities and having so many points but it's like well, what does it matter if this guy's producing for us you've got to value him a little bit differently than the guys that you know aren't putting up points for us yeah and he's still like He's not a young player, but he isn't an old player either. He probably still has a couple years in his prime. He's 26 years old. doesn't turn 27 until July. 
And you know what? He, he he's found a home with this franchise. He, he's played really well. Five goals and eleven assists in sixteen games. He's a point per game player right now, which is very impressive on a team that probably is going to be a little um, hard pressed to score a lot this year. He has four points and five points in his last four games. Um, he he's been fantastic, and he has. RFA status coming up at the end of the season. Now, some people will probably go out and say, you know what, this reminds me of, and I do understand and I see it as well, it's kind of like the Kevin Klein situation. Because if you remember when they traded for him, Kevin Klein played well the second yep. half of the season. His second year with the Rangers, the first full season, he was really good. He was very steady in the back end. And then that third season, they held on to him a little bit too long. And his value dropped to the point where he was out of the NHL completely at the end of his contract. So I'm going to give you a couple scenarios here. So to say the Rangers are, they're headed towards the playoffs. And Ryan Stromey's playing in your third line probably because they'll probably keep Heedle in the second line. Yep. Are you keeping Ryan Strome even though the Rangers probably would get bounced in the first round of the playoffs? I, I think that it, it kind of depends on how they're using him in the lineup at the time. And, you know, you say he's going to be on the third line, but what if even though Zibanejad comes back, what if Quinn keeps him with one of those premier wingers and he continues to produce? I mean, like, I, I, the, the big difference I see between the Klein situation and Strom is that I think that the NHL has changed a lot. And, like, Klein was kind of in that same mold as Girardi where it's like, Right when he started declining, it it was it was because the NHL was transitioning to a more offensive game, and this might be an opportunity for Strom to actually even even if he is being carried by you know a winger that's better than him, I think that it's a good opportunity for him to become a quality option. You know, depending on the price tag, because he's already making what this year like three and a half, three and a half one. You know, so if if that next contract is going to be like. What, I don't know, man. You're always so much better with cap than me. Like close to close to five million, I feel, feel like is the most you can do. But that would only be on what a two, three year deal. Probably. I mean, so he has just one more year um, by, and it's only by a couple of days that he kind of got screwed by the cutoff because the cutoff's July first, and his birthday is twenty seventh. Birthday is July eleventh. Hey, so we he, have the same birthday. What a kind of got screwed. Yeah. So come on the uh, pod, bro. <laughs> Come on the pod, you have the same birthday as me. That's the only thing. Um, I really hope I get the birth date right off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I did. Wow, look at that. July 11, 1993. He's one year older than me to the day. That's pretty funny. That is uh, that is very interesting. That is your Garrett Gartino fact of the day. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he kind of got screwed by the cutoff there, but... I think the Rangers might get lucky because of that. Maybe they are like, okay, they're probably going to have to go to arbitration with him and they can give him a one year deal of, you know, four and a half million, four million dollars, and then deal him at the end of next season, which yeah. I think. So then the other scenario I'd give you is the Rangers are, and the Sixers got blown out. That's not cool. What's the score? 112 97. Hey. So they fell apart. What, what's you that number? Over? I don't know. I'm about to do the math. 
Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, you were telling me not to tell you that's money. 209. Hit that. So your, you know, joy is my agony in this scenario because the Sixers just got blown out by Markel Fultz's bum ass and the magic. But, um, you know, that that hurts me deeply in ways <laughs> I can't explain. But <laughs> back to Strom. If the Rangers don't make the playoffs, they're, they're looking like they're going to be out of the playoff race by, you know, early March. Some team calls and is like, we'll give you – a second round pick for Ryan Strom. Are you taking it? Yes, hundred percent. Because the, the the next question I was going to ask you was what what kind of package are you looking for? And I think a second is right there where I was like, yeah, I take that. Even if it's a second and like a lousy prospect. So I'm kind of torn because. On the one hand, yeah, second round pick for Ryan Strom. If you would have told me that last year that we'd flip Ryan Spooner for a second round pick, right. I'd be very happy. But also, I think this is the point of the rebuild where you actually need players and you need some stop gaps. I think Ryan Strom, if they go into next offseason with Ryan Strom unsigned, he goes to arbitration, uh, they get him back at a one-year deal, whatever it is, $4.5 million, then I'm okay with dealing him before he goes to UFA because that gives you an extra year for some of the other guys like Howden or Anderson or you know another center in the organization could step up, can fill into that role. Whereas I don't know if I want to force people who might not be ready for that top nine role in the NHL to play in that role. And if Strom's producing the way he is, I don't know. I think it. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I really I, don't. Well, so how do you feel about if the Rangers are in contention? Do you do you see any scenario where they start packaging together guys like Howden or Anderson and some guys that are in you know the minors? Well, it's and I think that's a very good transition to what my next point is. So going down the list of. You know, forwards, Leah Sanderson, man. Um, I want to talk about him next because I think he's the next guy that's kind of interesting here. He uh, has yet to score a goal this year, man. And now in 64 NHL games, he has three goals and nine assists. Granted, not all his fault because he hasn't really had much playing time. But... You know, it definitely hasn't really earned his spot. And you hear David Quinn every time he's asked about Elias Anderson, he hasn't earned his spot. Yeah, I so. mean, it's, it's getting tough with him because I, you know, I I think that I'm still kind of trying to create like a like a cushion for him because of that limited ice time he's getting. But I don't know, Qu- Quinn. I feel like he. It's I don't think he's an unfair coach when it comes to ice time. Like, I, I do think that he plays his best guys. And clearly, Leas is just – Leas, Lias. I'm so bad at that, dude. I don't Leas. Leas is like – You had it, dude. You were yeah. going for it, and I was so happy for you. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you got me all self-conscious with this Sather-Sather conversation before we started recording. Yeah, well, how, how do you say the guy on the avalanche? Mar- Macker? McCarr. Kale McCarr. Kel McCarr. Okay. I think that's, well, that, that's the name I can't say for the life I, of me. Unless I'm wrong, I could be wrong again. But 
Uh, <laughs> I, oh, damn I just, it. Like, you know what, though? Why am I trusting you with this name crap? <laughs> you, you might be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I think that it's like maybe and can Anderson get sent down? Like maybe yeah. that's the best thing for him right now is to get sent down and be given the heatle treatment. But do the Rangers think he's ever going to develop into that type of player? Do they think he's a bottom six type guy? Well, I think that with the same scenario that they did with Hedl, it's like it's better to know than to have you know a guessing game. I and, agree. And yeah. You know Howden can handle fourth line minutes. You know Boone Nieves can handle fourth line minutes. You've got three centers ahead of them when Zibanejad comes back with Zibanejad, Hedl, and Strom. So it's like it, that's probably the best thing they could do for him. And if they don't, I mean, again, that's just one more sign that you're like – They've kind of not given up on him, but they they don't they don't expect the same thing that they thought they did. So, what do you think is more likely to happen when Zibanejad's back? Lewis Anderson moved off the, you know, moved I guess to the AHL first. That's your first option. Moved off to the left wing, but plays every single night. Or third option gets traded at the deadline. Because to me. I think Leah Sanderson's going to get traded. Um, and this is the only scenario I see it happening. The Oilers have had a lot of trade rumors out there uh, surrounding Jesse Poyarvi, I yeah. believe is how you say that name. That's a ridiculous See, I just one. look at names and just like, okay, this is how it looks. So I know how it is. Like Buchnevich, I, I, dude, I don't even know how I pronounced Buchnevich's name before. He uh, came here. But anyway, Jesse Boyarvi has been in the rumor mill for God knows how long because of contract disputes and whatnot there in uh, Edmonton. And then I think it was Darren Drager who came out a week or two ago and said the Rangers have been in conversation with the Oilers about Boyarvi. I could totally see a world where the Rangers trade Elias Anderson and maybe a fourth-round pick for Jesse Boyarvi. And if they can pull that deal off at this point, man, that's a home run because Poyarvi has a lot of skill and upside. Leah Sanderson, I think, has a really solid floor, but I don't see much upside in his game. I really don't. I I think I'm starting to jump off the Leah Sanderson uh, train, and I feel bad about it because I, I really like the kid, you know, as a competitor, but I don't know if he has the skill to hang in the NHL long term. I don't know if you you were on Twitter at all today, but I saw uh, a super ridiculously long thread that somehow the topic ended up getting switched to to Leas and the the one point that was made that started getting a little bit of buzz was the fact that in the preseason he was getting more opportunities with ice time, so he had more freedom to be able to play like a expanded version of his game, if that makes sense. And now being on the fourth line and being relegated to like such a small, you know, time limit, he he's playing a little bit more conservative and not, he's you know, he's playing timid. And I like, I don't know if you buy into that at all, but I mean, I, I could see a scenario where a kid is coming in and the expectations from his coach are, you know, we need you to be consistent. And he's afraid that, He's going to sacrifice creativity and productivity to in order to fit what he thinks is consistent. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a possibility. 
I, I could definitely see him trying to play it safe um, and, you know, have more of a defensive tone to his game instead of trying to push the pace offensively. But it, his focus hasn't even – he hasn't even been great in the defensive zone. So, like, if that's, like, his, I guess, point and purpose right now, it ain't working too well. Right. Um, he he needs to do something, and by something, he needs to start to produce. Uh, I think that's the bottom line. You know, make the most of your situation. It's I want to see him get one. sent down. I want to see him get sent down, which is a weird thing to feel positive about. But, like, I want to see him get sent down and get consistent ice time and hopefully come out of it. I don't understand what the point of having him here from the beginning was. I, I never understood that. He should have been in Hartford this whole time. With I absolutely Boo playing agree the fourth with line, you, you think? What's that? With Boo playing the fourth line? With Boo playing the fourth line, with, you know, if you wanted to go sign somebody, Greg McKegg could play, be there permanently. Like, any of those options I would have been fine with. I don't need a special player in the fourth line of a rebuilding team in the first year of, like, the development stage. Last year, I don't really count. Maybe maybe you count it for like D'Angelo, Heedle, and whatnot. But now I'm seeing the Heedle is 20 now. You got Kako, you have Fox, you have Lindgren now. So this is like the first full development year. I think last year to me was more of like, okay, let's recycle our used assets and get some more picks and prospects. I think this is the first true developmental year. I, so I, I don't care. You need placeholders. I guess that's my point with Ryan Strom earlier. You need those placeholders um, to allow the kids to take their time to develop. And whether it's Anderson or Howden, there was no point at all to have both of them in the NHL level when you have Strom, Heedle, and Zabinichad. There's absolutely no reason for it. And I well, I couldn't agree with you more. It's yeah. It's it's time for them to 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 either it's like shit or get off the pot. You know, like to quit quit like playing this guy for eight minutes when you know that you could just throw in some random schmo. Which we I made a point of you know not too long ago where I'm starting to finally see the value in like veterans that play. You know what I mean? Like veterans that are journeymen that always seem to play 60 games a season for an NHL team. It's like those are valuable guys, especially right now where we are as a team because guys like Anderson and Houghton, they're not always ready to take on the role that you, you need filled at the NHL level. You could only win so many games to the roster full of kids like the Rangers have. Which I fool myself with all the time. I, I always think that like kids win championships. Well, I think that's like that's a because video game some- mentality. Well, it's like sometimes it's true, and you see it in other sports. I mean, when you have these kids on the cheap rookie deals, it makes it easier to win in the sense that if you're going to have so much more room on your salary cap, you're going to be able to put better players around them. Always the perfect example of that is Russell Wilson early in his career with the Seahawks. They were able to max out everybody else because he was on his rookie scale deal, and he was a a fourth round pick or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you see that kind of stuff all the time. you need young players to win, but you can't have your entire roster flooded with them. And that's what the Rangers have. Now, they're not trying to win this year, but I do think an important part of developing players is having veteran guys there that have been there, done that. and can kind of. I think people 
you know, in this Twitter culture of stats, 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 nothing but stats, I think people overlook the value, like you said, of having guys that have been there, done that in this league. After being around a team, granted an AHL team for a year and a half now, you see how important having those guys there is uh, in the locker room for the coaching staff especially for a young team with the coaching staff, having a bunch of veteran players helps so much. So I, I think it, it's not conducive to uh, anything great if you just keep trotting out all young guys. I mean, look at Buffalo all these years. They've, except for Kyle Oposo, they really haven't had many you know, veterans out there. It's just been a bunch of kids. Yep. I, I, uh, I don't know, but after – after the group that we have in the NHL, what is the Rangers' center depth after that? It's not really much, right? I mean, you got guys like Booney Avis down there. Um, Gabriel Fontaine is the center. Uh, Stephen Fogarty is played center. Danny O'Regan's played a lot of center this year for the Wolfpack. Um, Vinny Latiri. So, like, kind of guys that are all AHL lifer-type players. Nobody, I'd say, none of our top prospects are playing center with the Wolfpack. It's just a bunch of very solid AHL veterans that are going to be able to produce in that league. I think that that makes it probably even more likely that one of these guys gets moved because we either need to reload by getting, like, trading for a veteran center that we think can be a piece in, you know, in the next wave, or we're going to have to trade and find some more picks and upside with that position. Cause it's like, we, we talked about the depth on it after the draft, but now we're just like, it's kind of, it's almost stagnating a little bit where it's like, you realize that you do need that next tier of player that we did have, you know, the, the B's and the C's even, but we don't, we didn't have a ton of a, a prospects in the center pool. And it's a, it's weird to come to that realization because the Rangers first two picks uh, when they had this rebuild idea in mind, when they traded Derek Stepan or two centers, Leah yep. Anderson and Philip Hudel, who they expected to be top players because they knew you had to build down the middle and on defense. Defensively, and we talked about that a lot last episode, the Rangers might have something. The Rangers, <laughs> given that they're giving up all these freaking shots, Potential is there for that defense. It's a young defense that, that has gotten a tiny bit better, uh, played a little bit better in the Penguins game, although the second period wasn't pretty per se. But there's been progress, and it's going to be a growing pain type of season. But you see some of the potential reading through. The centers, it gets a little tricky after Heedle and Zibanejad. If Heedle continues to play the way that he has, that's not even a guarantee. He's only played seven, eight games this season. He's also only 20. I think that like I think that we're, we're – I'm more confident today than I was obviously a month or two ago on Heedle's standing in the organization, but I think I think he's there. Like I think in the next few years we're going to be thinking that maybe like you know what? Who's to say that he can't be Zibanejad in a couple of years? Yeah, and we haven't really even talked about Brett Howden in this episode, but he's regressed a lot. I mean, he's yeah. having a sophomore slump. Not that his rookie campaign was anything too special, but he has not looked good defensively. He has not provided much offensively. Um, I don't hate the combination with him and Brendan Lemieux, but I don't know if it's conducive to – you want him on the fourth line or the third line. Um, but I don't know. Right now, he hasn't 
really done anything to deserve the third line spot. So my question to you, Garrett, flash forward the rest of this season. Fast forward the rest of next season. So 2021. We'll get the start of 21-22. So two years from now. Who of the Rangers centers is still on the team? Well, I think Zibanejad is obvious. Zibanejad yeah. and, I mean, I, I would have to assume Heedle. I think I, I just planted my flag in Heedle, so he, he'll be here in, in that year. <laughs> that could be taken but, many ways, but we're uh, just going to stick to keeping it clean. <laughs> but I don't even know what you mean by that. But all right. I have uh, a sick mind. Anyway, continue. The other guys, I mean, like, I, I just – it's always so hard because doing like the trade guessing as a fan and especially like a delusional fan like I am, I, I would love to think that like one of or a combination of Howden, Anderson and other prospects would be able to bring us back a guy that actually is something. But, you know, the Rangers are going to be relatively like cap strapped for what, another season or two. Um, yeah, probably the next two seasons, but a lot, and a lot of that's going to depend on, do we keep Brendan Smith? Do we keep uh, Mark Stahl? Because as we stand right now, the Rangers keep both of those guys. They can only protect one of Truba, Shea, and D'Angelo, which could be a problem. I am fine with leaving Brady Shea where he is unprotected. I'd almost encourage it. Um, you protect Truba, and you make you do a deal with Seattle you're, to make your, sure that's that you. That's all yours. Your your hype is that we're going to be making a deal to protect a player. Uh, we're going to be making a deal to protect D'Angelo unless one of those two guys gets bought out. I think they're going to be comfortable leaving Brady Shea um, open because at the end of the day, Alexander Georgiev will be. On the Seattle team, okay. At the start of All the right. season. My whole my whole point of that was that you know if if we're going to sign a big name free agent center, it's not going to be for a couple of seasons. So, as a delusional fan, I would like to think that there is some package of prospects that the Rangers could move in order to get a you know a guy that's set up in the NHL that you know is a producer for you know a package that that put you know gives us a step forward. Yeah, I think that in two years, my answer to the question is the only centers that are currently on the Rangers that will be on the Rangers are Heedle and Zibanejad. I think Anderson gets traded sooner rather than later. I think Brett Howden makes it to the end of his rookie deal and then probably gets packaged with you know a defenseman or something like that um, for a center. And uh, Strom will be gone in a year or two. But, I mean, th- this is the UFA class of centers for next year. It's a very interesting class because it has a lot of that second, third line type guys available. So the first guy, he ain't going anywhere. and He's good as a re-sign with the Capitals. But Nicholas Backstrom is a free agent. Um, he'll re-sign there. He's 32. He's 15 points through 19 games this year already. Mikhail Granlund on the Predators is a free agent. Um, I've never been a fan of his. He's like fine. I He's like a good third line center. I'd be very happy with him on my third line. But uh, 
I wouldn't want to sign him long term. Miko Koivu probably gonna retire. Yeah, I was gonna say he's getting old. Martin Hansel still hasn't played a freaking game this year, and he's probably not gonna ever play an NHL game again. All <laughs> I know is that he's like six seven, right? I don't think so. I not. I think he's huge. Let's see. Martin Hansel is. Oh wow, you're close. Six six two thirty. I didn't realize he was that big. I thought yeah. he was like six one. Okay, well he's huge, and he's also very injured, so he he ain't coming <laughs> anywhere. So. Carl Soderberg, who's having a nice little season with the uh, Coyotes. Um, maybe he could be something for a third line somewhere. Cody Eakins out there having a really rough year. Charlie Coyle's gonna get a decent contract. Max Domi. He could He's get annoying. something. He's an RFA, though. Um, and then Ranger Killer, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. That's funny. He is the only guy on this list that I want the Rangers to talk about in the offseason. The only guy on this list, because I'm assuming Backstrom is going, and I don't want to sign him to a long-term deal anyway. But if we can get Pajot... To just not score against us. like Let's think about this, though. If Pajot were to sign with the Rangers, he would never score a goal again, right? Because he only scores against the Rangers, it seems like. <laughs> he Well, it, it could work like against us, and it's like he's only scoring own goals. Like He, he just accidentally kicks the puck into the, uh, into the net on an empty net like every time he's on the ice. It's like the Sixers signing Al Horford, so Embiid can't get his ass kicked every time they play the Celtics. That, that's what it is. So I, I'm all for Gene Gabriel Pajot on the New York Rangers in 2021. I'm all for it. But well, don't forget, this is a throwback to over the summer. We are going to have Connor McDavid pretty soon. <laughs> that's right. Who who's the guy that we're trading for him? Uh, Zach Jones, I think. Zach Jones. Not Zay Jones, but Zach Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I hear Connor McDavid has like a 49% face-off percentage, so I hear the Oilers are getting a little sick of him. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's at this point, with everything we've talked about, I think that it's a no-brainer that it's going to be Zach Jones, Leah Sanderson, uh, who Who else? <laughs> Who's that guy that you also said will never play a game for the Rangers? There's a lot of uh, Niels Lundqvist. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of guys that are never playing for the Rangers, but I'm confident that Zach Jones and Niels Lundqvist will never play a game for the Rangers. Them I've two. never been more confident about any take in my life. They are <laughs> never going to play for the Rangers. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. I probably crushed a few hearts. They're never playing with the Rangers. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're going to trade one of them for a center. Done. Yeah, it's McDavid. Done. Yep, for McDavid, one for one for Zach Jones. Well, no, and Niels Lundqvist and Leah Sanderson. No, we're not trading all three of those for that bum. McDavid, no. (laughs) We got to lowball him first. We got to lowball him. And then then we let up. What's the guy? Ken Holland. Uh, make counter and then you know what maybe we'll slide Elias Sanderson in there but I don't know man I don't know if I'll give up all three he's really bad at face-offs McDavid so yeah, I don't I mean, know can't trade for a guy like that he, he's not part of Rangers culture terrible he's never never won a playoff series in his career bomb 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 
Speaking of bums, uh, that would be us. And if you like what we do on this podcast, you could give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 14 five-star ratings, Garrett. What? Actually, 13, because some bum gave us a one. So oh, uh, don't be cool. like that guy. Don't be like that guy. He's probably just a stupid devil fan. I'd like say no same friends. Thing. So, you know, it's c- kind of sad. You, you feel bad for people like that, Garrett. You it's true. So hey, uh, we got, how are the Flyers doing? Uh, Flyers have uh, uh, one second ten. <laughs> Dude, your phone just threw me in a spiral. <laughs> that was so <laughs> loud. Yeah. Well, thank my mom for calling me mid podcast and uh, my phone vibrating on my microphone. So thank you, Marianne. That was very nice of you. Thank you, Marianne. But, uh, yeah, so give us a five-star rating. Give us a comment, write us a question, uh, and Garrett will read the first 100 responses on a podcast by himself. Yep. Which I will never listen to, and I okay. advise you guys not to as well. well you're gonna, Yeah, you're going to have to edit it, so. You know what? Don't patronize me like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's all we got for today. Um, We will talk to you sometime next week.